Let's, we're in our Bibles, Acts chapter 18 this morning. We're going to read there in just a minute, but I want to catch you up as to what's going on here in the book of Acts because Paul has just finished his ministry in the city of Athens where he stood on the top of what we call Mars Hill, Areopagus, and he preached the gospel and how many people came to Christ, but some didn't want to hear what he had to say either. And now he's moved on to the city of Corinth. The city of Corinth was known for its idolatry, for its wickedness. There was a a temple there in Corinth where they had over a thousand temple prostitutes and they carried on all kinds of immoral acts in worship to their false pagan god. Corinth was known as a city of of, uh, merchandise or of trade and the ships that would come to the port city not far from Corinth would unload and then they would load their things up on wagons and they would transport it across the little piece of the land there where Corinth was in the middle of it to the other side and put it on the boat the other side in the Aegean Sea and carried on to other places. So it was a very busy city, a very active city and a very wicked city, a very dark city when it comes to spiritual things. And this is where Paul went to serve the Lord. And I don't know about you, but when I come off of a busy week like this week, I'm just looking forward to maybe for a few days having some routine, even though with all the Christmas season going on, it's hard to have routine with anything. I don't know if it's just getting another year older, but I find that I like my routines more and I like to get enough sleep every night. I like to have things work a certain way. And when the family's in town and everything's busy and everything's crazy, sometimes you're just ready to take a break. And I'll have to tell you, at our house last night, it was a little bit wild. Um, You know, it was kind of raining and dripping last night and somebody had left something next to the house and it was it was like a plastic toy or something and the rain was dripping right outside my window on this plastic toy all night. It was so annoying. I finally got up, put my clothes on, put my shoes on, went outside, turned the alarm off, moved that thing so it would stop dripping. And there was also my neighbor, something with the equipment on the side of their house, it kept every minute it would buzz. It sounded like their... Um, compressor was trying to come on and the capacitor just didn't have enough juice so I, I started timing it I'm laying in bed I'm counting the seconds 1001 1002 and I got to one minute it goes off and I thought okay maybe it's just random maybe it'll go away and so I kept counting and I get up to 120 it goes again and so I got up to check make sure it wasn't in my yard and uh, once I realized it was my neighbor's noise I just decided I can sleep through it because it's not my problem and uh, I went back in my bed and I climbed in, but it was just one of those nights you kept waking up for different things and silly noises going on, and it was just hard to get the rest. Maybe you're feeling like that this morning. You came in, just kind of, whew, just barely made it. I'm here in body. My spirit hasn't even arrived yet. Uh, However you are this morning, I think this message will be an encouragement to you because Paul in his ministry as he got to Corinth, it was not an easy place for him to minister and we'll see that for a lot of different reasons you may be in a season of life right now when things just seem to be a struggle it seems to be hard maybe it's hard just to get out of bed or maybe it's hard to take care of the responsibilities that you have ahead or maybe you're facing a lot of unknowns and not sure where to go and what to do that's why i've titled the message this morning encouragement for the faithful 
Encouragement for the faithful. We need some encouragement this morning, and let's look at Acts 18. Let's just begin by reading the first three verses. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. And found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because the Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. So this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, we'll see more about them in the message today. These are uh, people that were Jews. They'd lived in Rome, but there was some persecution against the Jews. It mentions it here in verse 2. Claudius, who was the Caesar, he, he kicked all the Jews out of Rome because he claimed that they were causing trouble. And it says Paul came to them in verse 3, And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought. He worked, for by their occupation they were tent makers. So Quill and Priscilla made tents for a living, and Paul knew how to make tents as well. And so he connected with them, which would have been common in a city like Corinth, because all the people of the different trades would have often lived close to each other. All of the people that made sandals or shoes would work in one place. The people that made saddles and bridles for horses would have lived in another area of town. The people that made pottery and and dishes and things like that would have lived in the same area. So too would have the tent makers. And if you wanted to make a tent, you knew to go to such and such a street because that's where the tent makers lived. And Paul went to Corinth and he meets up with these tent makers. Now, it's interesting to me that the Scripture notes this for us because here Paul is traveling on a missionary journey, right? What's the purpose of his trip? It's to go around the world and it's to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so he travels to city after city. And in most cities, when he got there, the first thing that's mentioned is Paul going to the synagogue and preaching the gospel. But when he gets to Corinth, The first thing that he does is he goes and finds two other people to make tents. He moves in with them and he starts making tents. So to me, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, did Paul forget what his purpose was? Did Paul get distracted? Maybe he was discouraged. What was going going on in Paul's life that caused him to change his normal order, his normal routine that he had when he went into this new city? And I think it's made very clear by the fact that he comes to these tent makers and he begins to work with them. See, I believe when Paul got to Corinth, he needed some money. He needed to be able to take care of his needs, to work, to provide for himself. For much of his missionary journey, he was provided for by the offerings and gifts from other Christians. But when he gets to Corinth, it seems as if he's in a place of financial need. And so he does what any honorable person will do if they have a financial need, they try to go to work. I want to encourage you this morning about your faithful service to the Lord. And we're going to look at Paul and his example here in these 11 verses of how he faithfully served the Lord in Corinth. I want us to see, first of all, that faithful service requires just simple work, simple work work. Paul gets to a new city, and what does he have to do first? He has to go to work. He doesn't go and preach. He's a preacher. What's wrong with him? Why isn't he preaching? He isn't at the synagogue. He's somebody who's well-educated in the Scriptures. He's not teaching a class. 
He's not doing anything public initially. He's just gone to work making tents. I want to encourage you this morning that sometimes your service to the Lord looks very much just like simple, hard work. It may not be glamorous. Nobody may notice. Nobody may even care. But if it's what God has given you to do, it is honorable to work to provide for your needs. It's honorable to provide for your family. Paul, over and over in his letters that he wrote to his churches, said that he worked to not be chargeable or not be in debt to anybody. He didn't want to be a financial burden to the people that he ministered to. So Paul was willing to go and to work to provide for himself. Now, in many places, the people did provide for him financially. And Paul was very thankful for that. When they gave to him financially, he was able to preach and to minister all day, every day. But in Corinth, that wasn't the case. I want you to see from this passage how simple work is part of faithful service and simple work is a ministry opportunity. Because even as Paul is making tents, maybe sitting on a stool, maybe sitting on the ground, I don't know how they would sit to make tents. Probably some of it is just walking around, a lot of sewing, I would imagine, a lot of cutting, a lot of measuring, a lot of laying things out, moving large pieces of cloth, or this word is often used to describe leather working as well, so large, heavy skins and things that they would make these big tents out of that people would live in as they traveled around. This is hard. This is laborious. This is probably tedious at times. If you've ever worked with leather, you know how you have to punch the hole before you can run the needle with the thread through. It's, it's time-consuming to sew these things together, to do this kind of work. And this is what Paul was doing. But even as he's doing this, he was still in the ministry. And his primary ministry initially in Corinth was to Priscilla and Aquila, this couple that were tent makers. But as you see this ministry taking place that Paul is working, he ministers to this couple and they then later on take the ministry far and wide. Look down with me, if you will, in chapter 18 down to verse number 26. There's a man that comes to the forefront in Corinth and his name was Apollos. He was an eloquent man and he was a a great preacher and he he came to Ephesus and it says in verse 26 and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly you see as Paul was ministering there in Corinth making tents with Aquila and Priscilla he was still in the ministry You know, wherever you're working, wherever you're providing for your family, wherever you go and the people that you interact with, those are ministry opportunities that God has given you. Sometimes it may seem mundane. It may seem simple. It may seem like, well, I want to get this out of the way so I can do the more important things. But God allows you to minister even through your work. As Paul ministered to Aquila and Priscilla, as he taught them the truth, they were then later on able to go and to teach Apollos. They instructed him, it says in verse number 
27, And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much, which he had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the Scriptures, that Jesus was Christ. See, Apollos had an issue earlier on. He didn't know about the resurrection. And, and Aquila and Priscilla taught him about the resurrection so that he would know the truth. I want to ask you the question, where do you think Aquila and Priscilla learned that truth from? I think they learned it sitting around the shop making tents with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, even in his work, was careful to minister to the people that he worked with. And because of that, Aquila and Priscilla went on later to Ephesus and ministered to Apollos. Aquila and Priscilla, their gifting was not to get up and preach publicly. That was Apollos. But they understood that they could minister to Apollos. And it was their instruction of Apollos that allowed him to be an effective minister of the gospel wherever he went. Don't ever look down upon the simple work that God has given you to do. In fact, the scripture says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do your best at the work that God has given you to do because even in your work, it is a ministry opportunity. You don't know who you are going to impact in a positive way. You don't know who you're going to help through your work to point towards the Lord to make a difference in their life, and not only in their lives, but in the lives of the other people that they touch down the road. They ministered with Paul in Ephesus, 1 Corinthians 16, 19. Paul writes a letter back to the church at Corinth. We're looking at Corinth right now. And he writes this letter and he says, The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord. Here they're mentioned again with the church that is in their house. At this point in time when this was written, if you had gone to visit Ephesus and you had looked for the church, you would have gone to Aquila and Priscilla's house. They're now hosting the church in their house. This tells me they probably had some financial means. The fact that they were able to hire Paul to work with them to make tents in Corinth would help us to understand that. But the fact that they had a house large enough to be able to host the church probably spoke to the fact that God had provided for them financially and they were using those gifts to serve the Lord. They served God financially. They served God by teaching, by discipling Apollos. And then later, Paul writes a letter to the church at Rome. And notice what he says to the church at Rome in Romans 16, verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers, in Christ Jesus. They're in Corinth, they're in Ephesus, and now they're in Rome. And this church in Rome, it says in Romans 16, 5, likewise greet the church that is in their house. Priscilla and Aquila, once again, have the church in Rome meeting in their house. Don't ever look down upon the simple work that God gives you to do and think that that work is not part of the ministry that God has for you to do. God used Aquila and Priscilla. God used Paul as he ministered in Ephesus. Simple work is a ministry opportunity. And I want you to notice, secondly, from our text in Acts 18, that simple work is a means of provision. 
God took care of His servant. He took care of the Apostle Paul through the work, through tent making that He had given him to do. Have you ever wondered how Paul learned to be a tent maker? How did he learn how to make tents? Well, I was doing some research on this, and Paul was born in Tarsus. You know that, Paul of Tarsus? In that region is an area called Cilicia, and when you research that area, you find that that area is known for its tent makers. So it would seem that Paul as a young man, maybe as a boy, a teenager growing up, Perhaps his dad made tents, maybe his uncle, somebody in the family, somebody close by. But he learned to make tents even growing up. And that skill, God allowed him to take with him so that he could use it to provide for his own needs later on in his life. When I was growing up and I would get a new job or a new opportunity of something to do, my dad would say, son, these are more tools that you can put in your toolbox. He said, you can do a lot with a hammer and a screwdriver. But if you have more tools, there's a lot more you can do with those tools that you have. So when you get an opportunity to learn a new skill, you ought to learn it. Don't just say, well, I'm not good at that or I don't know how to do that. Of course you don't. But if you'll learn it and work hard at it. I remember uh, my senior year of high school, I'm sorry, my freshman year of college, I came home and I was home for a few weeks before I went off to serve at the summer camp where I worked as a camp counselor. And my dad said, I've got a job for you. I said, what's that? He said, I need you to build me a new fence around the backyard. Well, I didn't have a crew. It was, I was a one-man fence-building crew. And uh, so I had to tear all the old pickets off the fence. And I had to set the strings and set the levels and set the posts. And, and dad was so nice, he didn't even let me use any sort of air nailer or anything like that. So I hammered every nail in by hand. And I'll have you know. I could take you to Green Lawn Drive today here in Houston, Texas, and that fence is still standing. It was a good fence. Not every board is straight. Some of those nails are a little bit crooked, but the fence is still there. I drive by every once in a while just to check and see if that fence is still there. But you know what? I'm thankful for the opportunity to learn another skill. I'm thankful that the Lord provides for my family and I'm able to do this. But if I had to, I'd probably be slow, and it might not be the prettiest in the world, but I could go and help somebody build a fence if I needed to. It was a good skill to learn. And the skills God gives you as you go through your life are opportunities for ministry, and they're opportunities for God's provision in your life. I remember building that fence around that yard. I, was, I felt so good about it. I made $800 building that fence. That was a lot of money. But then I realized how much I worked. and it didn't. When you figure out per hour, it wasn't a lot of money. But you know what? It was provision. It was provision. You see, when God gives you work, He's providing for your needs. When God sent Paul to Corinth, he wasn't done with Paul in the ministry. But Paul's ministry, when he got to Corinth, just looked a lot like hard work, making tents. But even while he was making tents and providing for his family financially, he was still faithfully discipling Aquila and Priscilla. And as he faithfully ministered to this couple, this couple went on and had tremendous impact in Corinth, in Ephesus, 
in Rome and perhaps even other places we don't even know about. You don't know how God is going to use you in the ministry that He's giving you wherever it is. Just because, well, I'm not preaching or teaching at church doesn't mean you're not in the ministry. Just because you don't teach a class or run the junior church doesn't mean you're not serving God. Just because you're not in the place that maybe other people would look at and say, oh, they're in the ministry, doesn't mean you are unable to serve God. In fact, it may be the exact ministry that God has for you right now. Don't disdain it. Don't look down upon it. Don't say, well, when I can get done with this, then I can serve God. No, you have the opportunity to serve God right now, right where you are. And someday God may give you something else to do and praise God for it, but serve Him faithfully right where you are. I want to encourage you this morning by that. Faithful service requires simple work. But faithful service also requires something else, and we'll see that in verses 4 and 5. It requires a focused message. A focused message. Look at what Paul ministered as he preached. Verse 4, it says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Can you imagine Paul working all week making tents and he comes around to the Sabbath, it's Saturday. Do you think he was tired? Yeah. Probably sore, tired, all this effort putting in making tents. But while he served God in making tents, Paul also was faithful to continue to declare the message of the gospel every single weekend. You see, faithful service requires a focused message. That focused message is something that is preached consistently. We talk about routines. We get tired, right? Like it's busy, stuff's going on. And I don't know about you, when everything else gets busy and things are crazy, I tend to shut down in certain areas of my life. And how many of us, it's very common when, when we're busy with family or holidays, work, something else, what ends up getting taken out, it's the spiritual things in our life. What gets neglected, it's the time with God. What gets neglected, it's the witnessing that we ought to be doing of sharing Christ with others. What gets neglected, it, it's even the worship of God sometimes. Because we get through a full busy week, lots of stuff going on, we just say, I'm tired, I need a break. This is a day where I don't have to go to work. I don't have to do something else. This is a time I don't want to have to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. It's Saturday. I want to just do my own thing today. Can I encourage you? If we have a message that's worth sharing, it's worth sharing it consistently, regularly, faithfully, weekly, day in and day out, even though we get tired, even though we have a lot of other responsibilities, even though, as Paul was doing, we're working to provide for our financial needs. I understand and I believe as a pastor it's my job to lead out in this area because God is blessed through the faithful giving of His people to allow me to do this all day, every day. And God hasn't provided for you financially in the same way He's provided for me. But I believe God still has an expectation upon every one of us to continue to preach the gospel consistently. Consistently. 
It may mean some reordering of your other priorities. It may mean of getting up when you're tired and pushing through. But Paul, even busy throughout his week, every Sabbath was faithful to go and to preach the gospel. It's preached consistently. A focused message is also preached compassionately. Notice back in our text, not only did he do it every week, but later on it says in verse 5, Paul was pressed in the Spirit. He felt this deep burden in his heart. Why? Because he was preaching this message out of love for the God that he was preaching of and for the people that he was preaching to. You can't minister effectively for the Lord if you don't do it out of love. For the love of Christ constraineth us. It is the love of God that ought to motivate me for service. I do what I do not because it's just the right thing to do. I do what I do because God loved me first. Paul wrote about this. 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, he says, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul was a well-educated man. Paul knew the Old Testament forwards and backwards. He knew all of the prophets. He knew everything that there was to know at that point in time about the Bible. But what did he focus on? The message of Jesus Christ. It's not to say that the rest is unimportant. But Paul only had the Sabbath day. So if he was going to speak to them once a week, his message was going to be on the gospel. Because that's what they needed. Now, I'm not to say that we don't need to study the rest of Scripture, but all of Scripture points towards Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel. And then it's about living out the message of the gospel every day in our lives. So ultimately, it is all about Jesus. It is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about the glory of God in service to Him. Paul was pressed in the Spirit. Faithful, a faithful message is preached consistently. But I want you to notice, because here in just a minute, we're going to see Paul's opposition that he faced. He's been providing for himself by making tents. In verse 5, it says, When Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, it's very possible that they brought an offering with them. In fact, in Philippians, Paul wrote and he thanked the church at Philippi in Philippians 4.15. He says, In the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving except for you but ye only. The church at Philippi had sent gifts. So perhaps this was a gift coming from them and that allowed Paul more time for the ministry. But you see, the finances never stopped Paul from serving God. Whether he was making tents or whether he was preaching every day, he was still serving God. Whether he was able to provide for, had to provide for himself or other people were giving to provide for him, he was still preaching the gospel. He was still making disciples. Faithful service requires a focused message. But let's look at verses 6 through 8. I want you to see that a faithful service also requires continued obedience. That's kind of the idea of faithfulness, isn't it? That we would continue to do the right thing. Look at verse 6. 
And when they opposed themselves, who is this? Who's the they? These are the Jews in the synagogue. These are not people who believed in Jesus Christ. They were just following a religious system. But it was based on their works. They weren't trusting in Jesus. And they wouldn't listen to the message of the gospel. They opposed themselves. And it says they blasphemed. And when they did this, Paul, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. Now, you might differ with me on this, but I really believe Paul is frustrated. Does this sound like a guy that's frustrated to you? I mean, I'm over here ministering to this, to this section over here, and they're not listening. All right, your blood's on your own heads. I'm going to go over here and minister. That, that's really what we see here. Now, I'm thankful, as, and we'll continue to read here in a minute. He continued even in the face of this opposition. But I want to encourage you with this this morning because the reality is this. It's difficult to serve the Lord when you feel like nobody's listening. I mean, every mom and dad knows this in your house. You're trying to get it cleaned up and you're trying to get the kids to help. Come on, and nobody's listening. What parent hasn't expressed some frustration you might have even said so. Okay, you fine, fine. Then you just live in a pit if you want to. I'm done trying to help you clean this room, and I'm going to go over here and do something else. That, that's basically what Paul's saying here, right? I'm done with all of this. I'm done with all of you. I've had it. It's challenging to serve God, not only when somebody isn't listening, but when you're tired. Remember, what's Paul doing all week? He's making tents. He's working hard. He's tired. Guess what? It's also challenging to serve God when finances are tight. Why is Paul making tents? Because he needs to provide for his needs. I mean, think about it. He spends all week making tents. He goes to the synagogue, preach the gospel, because that's what he knows he's supposed to do. The people in the synagogue aren't listening, and he's like, I'm over here working to provide for my own needs. I haven't taken a dime from any of you, but none of you seem to care and want to listen. I'm just going to go take care of myself. That could have been his response. It wasn't, but that would have been a very natural response, wouldn't it? I mean, how many of you really feel like serving God when your finances are tight? No. Oh, we're thankful for God's blessing. God's given me more. Let me give more to the Lord. What happens? Finances get tight. Well, I can't give to the Lord now because things are tight. I can't serve God because it's too difficult. It's too hard. That's normal. That's natural. That's our flesh. And I think Paul's struggling with some of that here. And I'll, t I'll show you why I think he's struggling. I'm not just trying to uh, project onto Paul some feelings that, that are not actually there. I think you'll see in the text why Paul was clearly struggling here. It's challenging to serve God when you think that no one cares. I want you to look over uh, into 1 Corinthians chapter 2 because Paul writes a letter later on to this church at Corinth. And he shares with them some of the struggle that he had when he came to minister to the church at Corinth. He says this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There's His focused message. But look at verse 3. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear 
and in much trembling. Paul's struggling. Has he meant it? He was afraid. He, he's in weakness. Paul, I didn't come to you in strength. I came to you in weakness. Why was he in weakness? Well, he didn't have financial provision. He had to provide for himself. He didn't have a whole team of people later, Silas and Timothy, join him, but he's by himself. He came to them in weakness. He came to them in fear. I mean, wouldn't it be a fearful thing to go and try to minister in a city as corrupt and as dark and as wicked as Corinth was? That'd be a fearful place to serve God. And in much trembling. And he says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why do you think that his message was not with enticing words of man's wisdom? His preaching wasn't very good, is what he said. I was struggling to preach. You think maybe working all week, making tents and being tired and not having all the time that he wanted to be able to prepare and do the things they wanted to do, do you think that would maybe affect his ability to, to speak well? Because at other times Paul was able to preach well. And we just saw a great message that he preached in Athens. Why in Corinth was his message one in weakness and in fear and not with enticing words? I think a lot of it had to do what he was doing all, with what he was doing all week. He's tired. But I'm thankful, he says, the message, while it was not with the strength, human strength, he said it was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You see, God doesn't need your power to get great things done. God doesn't need your talent to get great things done. God doesn't need your wisdom, your ability to put things together just right or to organize everything perfectly or oh, I could just do it all through my own strength. God doesn't need your strength. Because God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. See, Paul had a lot of reasons in Corinth why he could have said, this isn't going to be a very effective ministry. People don't want to hear it. I'm having to provide for myself. I'm all by myself. Nobody else is with me. I don't even have time to prepare the messages that I want to prepare. But I can do one thing. I can share the gospel. And that's what he did. He says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, that's my heart's desire for our church family. That as we look back, some years from now to what God is doing, we wouldn't look back and say, wow, that was a talented bunch of people. Wow, they had all the ability. Boy, they, they were just the best at everything. No, I want people to be able to look back and say, it was only God. Only by the power of God. It wasn't the wisdom of men. And maybe they were good stewards with what God gave them. But it was the power of God that changes lives. It's not the amazingness of the preaching it's not the incredible music or the wonderful program it's the power of God that changes people's lives and I think sometimes we we try to rest on our own strength on our own ability on our own organization on our own finances on our own plans on our own abilities and we forget it's all up to God anyway 
If God provided you through the gift of someone else, that's God's provision. If God provided you through the work of your own two hands, that's God's provision. God gave you the skill. He gave you the strength. He gave you the time. He gave you the ability to do it. Continue to obey when facing opposition. But we also need to continue to obey even when receiving God's blessing. We read verse 6. Paul says, I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of ministering to you. Look at verse 7. It says, And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice. So Paul leaves the synagogue. He's done ministering to the people. And he goes to Justice's house. Guess where Justice's house was? Whose house joined hard to the synagogue. You know where it was? It was right next door. Nobody's listening to me over here. Okay. Hey, Justice. <laughs> Can I talk to you? He goes right next door. You see, we need to continue forward in the face of opposition. Sometimes when things are difficult, we just want to shut down and we go silent and we want to go home and we don't want to do anything more for the Lord. And God says, why don't you just go next door? We face so much opposition right here. But it's a wide open opportunity right here. We get so blinded and so, so uh, stuck in our own struggles and our own doubt because we're looking at this. I'm doing everything right. It ought to be working out like this. And it doesn't work out like you expect it to. So therefore, I must be doing something wrong. If you're doing things according to God's plan, maybe God is just using that to say, no, I, I just need you to adjust a little bit. Keep pushing where you're at. Be willing to take a, a slight step and continue to move forward. Aren't you thankful that even though Paul was done with the Jews and the synagogue and he was only going to go to the Gentiles, that God wasn't done reaching the Jews in the synagogue? Because notice what happens. He goes next door to Justice's house. He worships God. He teaches him about Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 8. Look who is the next person to get saved. And Crispus. Who is this guy? The chief Ruler of the synagogue. Wait, 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 Paul. I thought that we weren't going to minister to those people anymore. I thought we were done with all the Jews. Their blood's on their own heads. They can take care of themselves. They're all opposed. And the first guy to come to Christ when he goes next door is the chief of the synagogue. Aren't you thankful that God keeps working on us and sometimes he does it from multiple directions? You've experienced that in your life. I don't know how many times I've heard a message in church and I was challenged with it, but it wasn't until later when I went home and somebody called me or somebody said something or a situation happened, all of a sudden it really made sense what God was trying to tell me and I realized, ooh, I need to adjust and I need to make that change. In the summertime, our, our young people go off to camp and one thing I've heard over the years of people going off and hearing somebody else preach or teach in a setting like a Christian camp, they'll say, why is it that when all the kids go to camp, that's when they make the good decisions for the Lord? They're hearing the same stuff at home. As a parent, it can almost feel discouraging, right? I've been trying to teach my kid to do this thing that's right. Then they go to camp, the preacher says one thing, oh yeah, I need to do it. And you're like, I've been telling them that forever. This happens as a parent too. You're trying to teach your kids the right thing, and then they come home from youth group. Guess what the teacher taught tonight in youth group or junior church? You're like, I've been telling you that for your whole life. Why did you just now figure it out? 
hey, adults, we do the same thing, don't we? Even as a pastor now, sometimes people say, Pastor, I read this devotional. It was so good. It really encouraged you. And I'll read it. I'm like, I'm glad that was good, but that's what I preached two weeks ago. If you'd just been at church, you'd have heard it there. It can be discouraging, right? But God is working, and sometimes He's coming at it from another direction. Crispus was not being reached when Paul was standing in the synagogue, but he was reached when Paul moved next door. There's nothing too hard for God. Crispus comes to Christ. Notice the chief rule of the synagogue. He believed on the Lord, and it says with all his house. So all of his household, his family, the people that lived with him, they all came to Christ too. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Paul, every week in the synagogue, he's preaching. Nobody's responding. He moves next door, and now everybody's getting saved. Isn't it amazing? You see, faithful service requires continued obedience. Sometimes we go to a place, we go to an area, and we face opposition. We're just ready to quit. God doesn't want you to quit. He wants you to continue to obey Him. God may adjust your position slightly. He may adjust your place of ministry slightly, but He wants you to continue to minister faithfully for Him. And sometimes we can see this example in other places in Scripture. Sometimes God just leaves you in the difficult place and you stay and you stay and you stay and you think, what is the purpose of being in this place? But God has a plan in that too. The issue here is faithfulness, faithful obedience. I want you to see finally this morning as we're talking about faithful service, it requires reliance on God's promises. Requires us to rely on God's promises. Remember when I said earlier that I'm pretty sure Paul was struggling? We looked at that passage in 1 Corinthians when Paul wrote about being in fear and weakness and much trembling. Well, look at what God says to Paul in verse 9 and 10. And I think this will make it clear to you or at least it definitely did to me, that Paul was having a difficult time in Corinth. He says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Why don't we all read these words together that the Lord spoke to Paul? Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Look at verse 11, or verse 10, I'm sorry. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Look at what God said to Paul. What an encouragement. What were his promises? You could break this down a couple different ways. But we see very simply, he says to not be afraid. Why? Verse 10, for I am with thee. I'm with you. I don't know what you're all going through this morning, but I think somebody needs to hear this. Don't be afraid. God's with you. Because when you're afraid, what happens? You start to get quiet and not share the message of the gospel. When you're afraid because of your circumstances, 
it's hard to tell anybody about Jesus. When you're afraid because of what other people are doing or you're afraid of what they might do, it's hard to be faithful to serve the Lord. When you're afraid because of the economy, because of sickness and viruses and governmental changes, and when you're afraid because of what's going on on your street or in our city, in your neighborhood, when you're afraid because of what your spouse or because of what a coworker may do or what your boss may do or not do, what happens? It causes us to shut down and to get quiet. What happened to so many in the church over the last couple of years is people were afraid. They stopped talking about the Lord. As a pastor, I get all kinds of articles and things shared with me all the time. There have been thousands of churches closed just in the United States over the last two years. Why? Because people were afraid. Yeah, people were sick and we had to deal with that and we had to take precaution. We had to do all those things. We had to be wise and take care of your body. I understand all those things. But people were afraid. And what, caught, what happens when you're afraid? You get quiet. It's good to see my friend David and Casey and their family here today. And We had the opportunity a couple weeks ago to go down with them and experience the opportunity of being able to pray in front of the abortion clinic downtown. It's, it's amazing, isn't it, when you get out there, how, how you feel that fear just start to weigh down on you. You're like, what am I even afraid of? Just afraid. And when we get afraid, we get quiet. That's what he tells Paul. Paul, don't be afraid. Speak. Hold not thy peace. Why? Because I'm with you. I'm with you. Maybe you're afraid because of your financial situation. I, I don't know if I can really take this step of faith to serve God like I should. And so you get quiet. I want to encourage you this morning. God's with you. You're afraid Looking around in our society, again, people are really caught up by all the horrible things that have taken place, even the last few weeks, and the things on trial that are all on TV for everybody. There's a lot of awful things going on. A lot of people are afraid. But for the believer, for Paul, God said, don't be afraid. I'm with you. You know, that's not just a promise that God made to Paul. The Scripture says that He'll never leave us or forsake us either. Not only does He promise His presence, that's letter A, rely on God's promise of His presence, we also see God's promise of His harvest. He says, And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. Why? For I have much people in this city. Now, is God only talking about the people that had already trusted Christ? Based on the context here, he's not. He's talking about those who would come to Christ. God knows what's in their heart. God knows what they're going to do. He knows their choice. He knows who will follow Him. I would ask you, do you believe that in the city of Houston, God has many people in this city that have yet to follow Him? I think He does. And I will tell you, that's why I'm here. In our life, in our marriage, we've had the opportunity to live in several different places. And people ask me, why do you live in Houston? 
Well, it's because I love hurricanes. <laughs> nope. It's because I love humidity. Nope. Why? It's because I believe God has many people in this city. And He's called us to go and to reach them. You believe God has people in your neighborhood that still need to be reached? People at your office? Family members? People that you come into contact with? In your city? In your place? In your sphere of influence? To me, that ought to be our focus. Every day as we go around, Lord, who do you have for me to minister to today? Lord, who can I share the goodness of Jesus Christ with today? Lord, I know you have people in this city. I'm just looking for them. I'm here. I'm, I'm sharing, the, sharing the faith as best I can. All right, they're not listening. All right, let me go next door. Let me find somebody else. Let, let me continue on over here until I find the one that you have. Lord, I know you have them out here. I'm just looking for them. He has much people in this city. The promise of his presence, the promise of his harvest, Remember Jesus Christ, when He was on this earth, he, made a, he prayed a prayer to God and He had one prayer request. And He said, He asked the Father that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. Why? Because He said, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The problem is not the lack of harvest. He's promised the harvest. There's many people in the city. The problem is a lack of laborers. Just as we heard a couple weeks ago, the problem isn't the darkness. The problem is the absence of the light. Faithful service requires reliance on God's promises. So I want to close with four questions for you. Number one, will you serve God in the simple work that God has given you to do? may not be glamorous. Nobody may know about it. But if God's given it to you, then you ought to do it with all your might and look at it as a ministry opportunity. Perhaps some of the ones in your city are people that you work with right now. Maybe there's an Aquila or a Priscilla or maybe an Aquila and Priscilla where you work. Will you serve God in the simple work God gives you? Second question, will you serve God with the focused message of the gospel. Think about it. Everywhere, you're go everywhere you go, you're communicating something, right? The way you dress communicates, what you say communicates, what your face look like <laughs> looks like communicates. Always reminding my children, hey, okay, I'll obey. No, your face is not saying I'll obey, right? Your face communicates. Adults, our faces communicate. Everything about us communicates. Will you communicate the focused message of the gospel? Or are you busy communicating something that is just distracting or maybe even completely wrong altogether? Third question, will you serve God by obeying Him even when it gets difficult? Even when you face opposition? And then finally, will you serve God by relying on His promises. Rest in His promises. He says, don't be afraid. Man, how many of us, even in the last few days, have struggled with fear about something? 
You don't need to be afraid if you'll rest in the Lord. He's with you. When the little child wakes up at night and he's afraid, what does he want? Mom or dad, I just want to know that they're with me. And when they're there, pretty soon they calm down. Everything's okay. What changed? The presence of their parent being with them. What are you afraid of this morning? Rest in His presence. He's with you. And remember, His harvest. He has a work for you to do. He's put you as a laborer in His field. And there's a great harvest to bring in. May we bring in the harvest that He's given for us to do. I'll tell you, this morning I, I'm preaching to myself, really. I struggled this week. I had fun. I was thankful. I had a great time with my family. Man, all the busyness and everything else. I struggled with my attitude. I just struggled even in my faith of looking forward and looking to what the Lord has next and what we ought to be trusting God through in difficult times. I, I struggled when I saw the things taking place in our country and think about all the wickedness and all the sadness and all the hurt and all the pain that people are going through. I struggled with that stuff this week. And I, I'm thankful that the Lord leads us where He needs us to go in His Word. I hope this message was for somebody else besides me today. But it was for me this morning. That's my confession to you. That I needed encouragement. And the Lord gave me a lot of encouragement through this text today. He's been giving it to me for the last several days as I've been meditating on it and studying it, preparing for today. Because the reality is sometimes we get discouraged when difficulties come. Sometimes we're like, I'm doing the best I can and it's never good enough. Well, you're right because you need God's strength. He's the one that makes a difference. He's the one that changes lives. Faithful service. Simple work. A focused message. Continued obedience and reliance on God's promises. Let's go to Him now in prayer. Lord, Lord, we need You. When shadows fall and the night covers all, there are things that my eyes cannot see. I'll never fear while the Savior is near. My Lord abides with me. How can I fear? Jesus is near. He ever watches over me. Worries all cease. He gives me peace. How can I fear? with Jesus. Lord, I'm so thankful that you're with us and that you are very present help in trouble. Lord, we don't need to be afraid. Lord, you have a great harvest and we thank you for it. We thank you for the harvest that we're going to celebrate even this morning in just a few moments as we enjoy baptisms together. 
Lord, you're doing your work to change and transform lives. Encourage us to be faithful servants of you. In Jesus' name I pray.